We're going to continue today, kind of where we were a couple weeks ago, when we talked about, on Father's Day, about men being men, really standing up in that biblical role of what a man is, not what the world would tell us that a man is, but what the Bible would tell us. And the Lord's been stirring us uh, about this prophetic word that we had, gosh, I don't know, it might be six or seven months ago now. Um, Oh, I'm losing batteries. Uh oh. Okay, hang on. Hi. Just push the button. That's what he always tells me. Now can you hear me? There you go. This is actually ours. Okay, wait a minute. See how important this message is? Every distraction coming our way. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we had this um, prophetic word. Two people heard it the same day, the same time in service, and the word talked about strengthening the core. And the message was not about, you know, like the elder board needs to be strengthened or the, you know, if we had deacons, the deacons need to be strengthened. It's not the core of the people in the church. It's the core of each individual in the church. So each and every one of us, God is saying we need to be stronger in our core, fundamentally stronger in our core. And... um He's been stirring us for souls. We have not really, you know, I preached this message at the Freedom Center a couple weeks ago about that they've grown to be a pump where they have all these things that are vacuums like Fourth of July outreaches and um, Easter productions and all the different things, skate parks that they do that create like a suction, like if you think of a pump that would draw people in and then they swirl around inside and they get taught and discipled and tested. And then ultimately some of them are there for the purpose of that congregation and they become leaders and teachers and who knows, you know, all the different things. But some of them are ejected out like me and Teresa. Well, Church on the Street, we've been just in a kind of a swirling motion. If, if anybody new has come to the church, it's almost been by osmosis or by accident. We haven't consciously done a lot of uh, evangelistic kind of things. And God's saying that we need to strengthen our core because he's starting to stir us for souls. And when the souls get here, they're going to be broken souls. They're, they're, they're going to be people that need love. He's, he's made us be a church that could love Brandon Hayes. You know, he did that for a purpose. So anyway, the, the context of all this stuff, and today speaking about the roles of a man and a woman in the marriage context, but it also is, has application to single people as well, is, is in that context of getting our core strengthened so that we're prepared when he starts to release us to the souls for us to start to minister to, that we're going to represent him well and that they'll be able to get healthy and strong. So that's the context of what we're going to talk about today. Um, few things, though, just personally, you know, personally, like for you and for me, that we ought to think about as we talk, talk into or speak into these biblical roles of man and woman. Um, one would be, it's your turn. That we, we, that we would live in the fullness, um, the abundance of Jesus uh, that Jesus purchased for us. So many times we're walking below our level of privilege and we get saved but we li- we continue our life um, d- 
dealing with the same stuff. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he said he wants us to have the fullness of him in abundance. And so there's a level that we're not walking in. And so um, one reason is to have what Jesus bought for us, right. all that joy, all yeah. that fullness. Second thing is that we, we, many of us have children and, and now, you know, grandchildren, and we need to model Christ. You know, your kids, any of you that have children uh, that are old enough that, you know, potentially they could actually do what you ask them to do, you find out that they may or may not do what you tell them to do, but they are going to do what they see you do. So if we don't understand how to properly model Christ for our children, then what you'll see are these generation, you know, maybe they're generational curses. I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a function of disobedience to the Lord. But these families of generation after generation after generation that they can't ever seem to get up out of the hole, and it's because they don't know any better. I mean, we have, we have people in our society that literally are third and fourth generation um, entitlement. They've never had a parent or a grandparent that's had a job. So when you say, well, come on, let's contribute, they don't have any grid to hang that on because what's been modeled for them has been this thing that the way life works is that you go down to the thing and they give you your check and then you figure out, you know, how to work it to get as much as you can, but you don't ever, there is no concept of that you do something for that check. So each one of us needs to be strengthened, like Pat said earlier, strengthened in our core, we need to be light for non-believers and able to minister to others from God's word and our testimonies. God sent a work in us, and we need to not be afraid to let our light shine. And we need to not look like everybody else. That's not who we're called to be. That's right. Teresa said that we shouldn't look like the world looks. In Romans 12, you know the scripture that says, be no longer conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove the will of God, that which is good and perfect. You know, that was probably not a good and perfect of the verse, but it's close enough to get the gist of what the Lord is trying to say through that. It's like, you know, when you see yourself looking like the world, then that area of your life needs to be transformed. And the way it happens is that you get renewed in your mind. So we have to look different than the world. Otherwise, there's nothing that would draw the world. When, when God sends us souls, it's going to be because we look different than what they have. If, if, if all we are is what they are, who would get up early on a Sunday? Why would you want to leave money in a place where you could just keep your money if it's all the same as what you got? We have to start to look like the city on a hill or the light that you wouldn't put under a basket because it's attractive to, to people, and that's what God's looking for from us. And not only, not only just for us, um, like for the lost souls, but for us individually. You know, we have within us the capacity to, to live just an amazing, abundant, joy-filled fullness. When God talks about his love and his and his abundance, there's, there's a level that we're just not, not walking in. So I think I it's okay. skipped yep. ahead. That's all right. <laughs> You'll have to give us some grace today. Yeah. We really wanted to try to, to bring this to you together because this is a message that in some ways if a man preaches this message, a woman's going to take offense or there's a, there's a potential for a lady to take offense. And, and if a woman was to preach this all by herself, you know, a man could take offense. So we wanted us to, to be together so that we can show you that um, we're trying to model this in our lives as well. And, and it's not from a place of, 
of just doctrinal or theological perspective. It's from, it's real. We need mm-hmm. to do it. And, and us first, if, you know, you guys should all be too, but we would never ask you to go someplace that we weren't already trying to get ourselves. All right. Well, hey, there's a bunch of that's still my part. So how you get there? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a psychology guy, but there's kind of the carrot, the stick, and obligation. When I think about ways that you know, the Bible says that I ought to be like this, and I ought to not be like that, and how do I get there? You know, some people are motivated by the carrot. You know, what's the, what's the reward if I were to change? And some people are motivated by, that wasn't tongues, that was just a tongue twister, motivated by the stick. You know, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to whack you with the stick until you do what I tell you to do. Another would be obligation. Honestly, I think that's kind of where I am. I'm kind of an obligation guy. As soon as I understood what it meant to confess Jesus as Lord, I felt by obligation to do what he told me to do. I'm obliged. I made this big trade. So I'm not saying that the stick is better or worse than the carrot or obligation is better or worse than the other two, but some way we have to get to the place where we're walking in obedience to God's Word. And when we find that place, and and you all know this, right? All of us are doing great in some areas, you know, kind of on our way in other areas, and there's other parts of our lives that maybe the Lord hasn't started to stir us in yet. But as you find that place of obedience, what you also find is blessing, so however you get stirred, if it's the carrot, if it's the stick, or if it's out of a sense of obligation, be stirred to that place of obedience so that we can then move into the place of blessing and ultimately to be that light and salt to the world. Um, so we're talking about roles and husbands and wives, men and women, but ultimately our role is to be submitted to Jesus as Lord, right? So my husband relationship with Teresa is born out of my lordship relationship with Jesus. If, if there's no other motivation, if, if I haven't gotten to the place in my heart yet where I can be a godly man in my home other than because I'm called to serve Jesus as Lord, then let that be the motivation. Always Jesus' lordship prior to trying to do it from any other perspective because you'll have you'll be walking on on thin ice the foundation won't have been in place if we don't understand that Jesus is always first in our relationship yeah so our first submission as pat was saying is to Jesus to our lord matthew 22:37 states jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and this is the first and greatest commandment so this is one of the things I love about the way God sets things up. He's so selfless, and he knows us so well. He says that the number one commandment is to love the Lord your God with everything that you have, right? And then in John 14, he tells us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? So how do we express love towards God? We obey him. He said, that's how I know if you love me. If you say with your lips, I love you, right? Um, but you don't keep my commandments, then you don't really love me. The way I know you love me is when you keep my commandments. And it wasn't, it's not part of this message, but it's interesting. If you research that further, what you find out is, and this command I give you, love one another. So ultimately, the keeping of the first and most important commandment that God gives us is to love each other. And in loving each other, we're obeying his command. And, and in obeying his command, we're demonstrating that we love him mm-hmm. with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's an order that we have to get. That, that's the, the, 
the reason today we're spending so much time on this part of the message. This is a two-part message, and it's crucial that we get this part. Because if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, if you don't get that part, this part, you won't get either. So it starts there. So God created an order for his people, and especially especially for families, because God is all about family. That's why he created Adam, for fellowship, right? To have relationship. And he provided Christ as an example. In 1 Corinthians 11.3, Scripture states that, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of every woman, and God is the head of Christ. In Ephesians 5.23, it states, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Jesus is the head of the church, and who's the church? We are. So we have to understand that just as Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, God is the head of Christ, we have to understand what that looks like and how that functions. And the reason and the purpose that God is commanding us to come underneath that, to become subject to that. And even if you're a single person, you know, um, God, Jesus, man, woman, if you're, if you're not married, well, all of us as the church are the bride of Christ. So God is the head of Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. And in that context, you're the bride. Whether you're a guy or a lady, you're still the bride of Christ, and, you're, and you come subject under him in the same way, just, I guess, with one layer of management removed. It's a smooth organization. God's Word is spirit, right? right. And it's always true. But it always seems to... Um, nature reflects the spirit. So what we find in nature often is an example of what we find in the Spirit. So even in the world where um, they may not know the Lord and they may not use the Bible as their guideline, just practically you find that it kind of aligns itself with the truth of Scripture. If you were to go into a business, you know, and if you have a job, you work in a business most likely, you find out that there's only one president of the company and then a vice president of the company, and then some management structure underneath, one um, manager of a department, one supervisor of a team, they, they would never in the business world, I, I know they've tried, they did it at HP one time, and it was a horrible failure because they couldn't pick between two people, so they created this two-headed management monster that was just, it was untenable, and eventually, uh, not very long, one of them left the company, and the other one stayed for a short while. But it wasn't, it wasn't a way to operate. In a sports team, you see one coach, one team captain. Mm-hmm. Um, in government, right, there's only one president, one governor, one mayor, one president of the city council. You never see two-headed monsters anywhere in, in the structure. Wherever you see um, an institution where there's two people or more, there's always some hierarchical structure. In the military, it would be another great example. You know, there's one general, one captain, one lieutenant, maybe one corporal, sergeant. If you had two leaders on the battlefield and one said charge and the other said retreat, you'd have chaos and people would die needlessly. You see the same principles in nature or in the way people interact that you find in the Bible. No two-headed monsters. We see that in marriages too. Um, 
when you have a, two, a household with two people trying to be the head, you have chaos, you have contention, you have strife, you have a house that is just totally disrupted. So not only in the business world or sports world, but you also see that in families, that there is an order that God created, and he created it for our benefit and for our good because God is good. Amen. So the meat of the message today, we're going to start in the Old Testament because what we want you to understand and to grasp is that this isn't a came-with-Jesus kind of a change. It wasn't different from the beginning, and then things changed in the New Covenant Right from the foundations of creation, God established this order. And if we see it from there, we can follow it right through Scripture, right through time until Jesus came, and then right till now in our time as we try to submit ourselves to his lordship. So if we go to Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read to you um, from verse 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable to him. Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So there's so much in this course of Scripture that we see. Um, Adam was given the responsibility to name all the beasts, all the animals. And I'm sure he probably noticed, you know, that they came in pairs. There was one that was kind of like this, and there was one that was kind of like that. Male and female, they all had a pair. And maybe God saw some kind of a loneliness in Adam that he saw that that wasn't good, that he was alone, that there was no suitable helper for him. And God then created from Adam Eve. So God takes flesh from man and fashions it into a woman and returns his new creation, or takes this creation and returns it to man And together, they become one flesh again. I feel like I should expound on one flesh again. And together, they become one flesh again. When God first created man, man, he created them male and female. But he saw that it wasn't good that they dwelled in one, I don't know, they had bodies, one spirit. So he separates them. He takes the female part. He separates it out of man. Now they become Adam and Eve. They become man and woman. Okay? So kind of messing that up. (laughs) You're doing really good. There's so much I can say, but I can't say now. Maybe when he created Adam, for, for God's own purposes, Adam was complete. Right? God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes. So for the purpose of of serving the Lord in the ways that Adam was to serve the Lord. He was just exactly how he ought to be. But he wasn't complete in what he needed. He had no suitable helper. So God took a chunk from him, just like he took from the dust of the ground to fashion Adam. He took a chunk from Adam and created Eve. Now Adam isn't complete anymore. 
a piece of him is missing, he's created from that missing piece another piece. Then, kind of in the picture of marriage, the two of them come together and again become one flesh. So now the completeness is in the joining of the two together versus Adam all by himself in the beginning or Adam and Eve separate from each other. I think it's kind of the gist of what you're trying to say. Thank you. Yeah, what See, I said. that's why we work well yeah. together. Because he knows what I'm thinking, and I can't always <laughs> articulate it. Oh, So it's interesting, the, the word that God used in the Scriptures, and, and in my New American Standard, it's, um, it's a helper suitable for Adam or suitable for him. It can also be um, a helper comparable to him. Eve was a suitable helper. Or suitable, which that word suitable means right or appropriate for a particular person, purpose, or situation. Like we said, when she was created, she was going to fit perfectly in with the purpose and design of man. Okay? All right. So I want to expand on that just a second. Here I stand, and maybe I don't have a loud voice so you can't hear me. And Brenda says, "Uh uh-oh, they can't hear him. I need need a suitable tool for him to use so that the people way up in the back can hear him. And she brings me a mixing spoon, right? It would not be a suitable thing for the purpose that she was trying to solve. She brings me a microphone. And with the microphone, my voice is amplified and you can hear me. Eve is suitable to Adam perfectly suitable, but she's also comparable, and the the dictionary definition of comparable is able to be likened to another of equivalent quality, worthy of comparison. This is for men to hear. Eve is not only suitable for the purpose that she was created with Adam, but she's comparable to Adam. So guys think, well, I'm more, I'm physically stronger, and you know, God made me to be the head, and and they somehow translate that to better and worse, or more or less, and it's just not true. She's comparable in every way, alike to Adam. No superiority or inferiority. They're they're comparable to one another, and it's important that we get that because culturally, I think, you know, we're kind of indoctrinated into this thing of superiority that just isn't true. That's a good word. <laughs> and all the women say amen. <laughs> so, and for the purpose of helping, Eve was created for the purpose of helping, making it easier. The, the definition for that would be making it easier for someone to do something, to improve, to improve a situation or problem, or to be benefit to. So, again, it's to come and to complement it's, a, it's come and to be a helper in the purpose and plan and the design that God has for us. So, there's this um, beautiful tradition. I like this. Um, I had forgotten about it until Pat put it on here, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good, good example. It's a beautiful Jewish tradition that says, um, saying that says, God made woman, not out, of man's foot to be under him, nor out of his head to be over him. But she's taken, can you stand up for a minute? Sure. Come over here. She's taken from right out underneath his arm so that he might protect her and from near his heart so that he might love her. We, we didn't practice that part, no. at least not particularly for this message. Yeah. Want to see again? <laughs> but that's an example. I don't know. I see that 
we fit perfectly. That's one way we fit perfectly when you have your arm around me like that. It's comfortable. It's safe. It's 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 nice. It's perfect. I like right. it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We'll move on. It's a G-rated church. So so God creates Adam and sees that Adam is in some way incomplete, not good, right? Maybe complete for the purposes of God's service, but maybe incomplete in the purpose of satisfying Adam himself. From Adam, he creates Eve. Eve is suitable as a companion to Adam. And we could probably assume that Adam would be suitable as a companion for Eve. They satisfy each other's needs. Uh, needs. And like the, the Lego, remember we talked about the Lego uh, that God gave me that vision about connecting, you know, needs and gifts. Everybody's got gifts, everybody's got needs, and the Legos kind of connect together so that what I have to offer would be what she would need, and what she would have to offer would be what I have to need. So we fit together just right because that's the way God designed us to be. Yeah. While Eve is suitable to Adam, she's perfectly suited for her purpose, she's also comparable. When you see them together, they are different but equal. When you see Teresa and I together, we're different, but we're equal because God made us that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, we need to keep this all. It's interesting. We've been reading almost exclusively from Genesis chapter 2, but there's a context that God gave us all this information. All these scriptures come after Genesis chapter 1. So let's capture the context. Okay. So Genesis 1 Verse 27 and 28 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on earth. So God created Adam and Eve for purpose. And we see in those verses, we get a sense for what that purpose is. It appears, if you were to read all of the creation story, that the first purpose might have been just for companionship, for fellowship with God, that he created man in his own image. You see the scriptures that talk about God walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and he, and he calls out, you know, Adam, where are you? And he wants to have fellowship. It's time. Let's get together. Let's, let's um, enjoy each other. So one reason that they were created, and we see that all through the Bible, right? They, they sinned. They broke fellowship with God. But he, he still wanted ways to have. So he had the prophets, right? And the prophets came and they would speak to the people for God. And they gave him all these things for them to follow so that they could still have some level of relationship. Ultimately, at the right time, he sent Jesus. He, he lived a perfect life. He sacrificed so that God literally could live inside a man, his spirit, and have intimate fellowship again until ultimately we'll have eternal fellowship in heaven, right? So first purpose is for fellowship. Second purpose, he says, be fruitful and multiply. So he gave Adam and Eve that they might uh, multiply their kind, man, right? Man is mankind. It's not male in the context of the creation story. So the, the second reason is that they would be fruitful and multiply, that they would take and then dominate. The third thing, extend this government that God has given them based in the way of his word to then dominate, to rule over, to subdue this planet called earth, all the animals, all the crawly things, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, to subdue and rule over 
extend his government. So the three purposes I think we see from these scriptures and the context of the man's role and the context of the woman's role in serving God is to first have fellowship with him, second, to be fruitful and multiply, and then third, to actually take his government, his kingdom, and extend it throughout the whole earth. And in their relationship to each other, we see that God provide God provides the plan, God provides the vision, God provides the agenda, and God provides the accountability accountability to man. So, um, the role for a woman is to come alongside the man, and help as an equal and suitable partner. Let me repeat that: as an equal and suitable partner, and together, they're achieving God's will and purpose. So right from the beginning, right from the creation story, next week we're going to talk about New Testament teaching and specifically what does it look like? You know, what does a godly man look like? What does a godly woman look like, a godly husband, a godly wife? Mm -hmm. Um, We see it from the very beginning of the creation story. We see that men and women were created differently but certainly equal, Mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. And men are perfectly designed and adapted to being men, and women are perfectly designed and adapted to be a woman, to be women, to be a woman, <laughs> to be a woman. Yeah. Um, I have an, uh, just a, a quick story about this, um, about our design. Pat, before he retired from HP, was gone a lot. A lot of times, you know, it could be four days a week. So there's a lot of responsibility. I took on the responsibility when Ryan and Joe were younger to, I was in charge of the house. So when you have a husband that travels that much, um, you become mom and dad during the week, but on the weekends you gladly, you know, like here, I'm glad you're home. Um, so fast forward to now, last November, when Bryn steps into our life, and now I'm stepping right back into that role where I'm wearing two hats, at least in my mind, because that's what I knew. That's what I was used to. And um, They might it, get it if you said britches. Or britches or whatever. Um, so I've had to, this, this message is um, really resounding in my heart because I've had, to, um, I've had to go back and look and say, what does God say? And realize that um, I was the two-headed monster for some months and not really understanding where the contention was coming from or even the, um, the unbalance. And it was a lot of me because it was a role that I had stepped into because I had to at that point, thinking I had to. Um, but now it's the, the revelation of, of this. I mean, this is a message that I'm living and breathing right now. And um, and it's because I'm walking through it. I understand that I was I stepped into a role that God did not create me to be in, and it was hard, and it was stressful, and there was contention, and there was unrest, and there was everything you could possibly imagine. When I realized that, and I stepped back out of that role, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it yet, but there's there's tremendous revelation and tremendous peace that comes when I allow Him to be in the role that God created him to be in as husband, as father, as man, really. So um, sometimes we step into roles because that's just what we know. That's what we know to do. It's whatever. It doesn't make it right. But um, now that I'm, I'm in the role that God has called me to be in, 
Um, I can tell you it's a lot easier. <laughs> it's a lot less um, struggle and stress. And I don't feel like I'm carrying a whole, this weight that uh, was really pushing me, pushing me down to the ground. And um, so anyway, I just wanted to share that with, when, when God's word says men are perfectly adi- adapted and designed to be men, the same is for us. And um, don't try to step into a role that you're not called in to be. And that's the perfect design as a woman because we got enough stuff going on ourselves without trying to be, be men, too. So um, that's my testimony. So. so we literally, you're watching this happen in us. I mean, you, you may not have that much visibility to it, but it's, it's a real thing. And it's when Teresa, because of what she had learned in the past, or what she had seen. You know, we had a guy uh, at men's meeting the other night. We're talking about the same topic. And in his home, his mother was had the man's role. And his dad had the, the not man's role. And his wife didn't have a dad and a weak mother. So she was almost, even as a child, in the man's role. And now here you have this couple that have been uh, improperly modeled what they see, and now they're trying to get their home into order, and, and it's a challenge for them because they haven't seen, they, they're, they're, the constant draw from the devil is always going to be trying to pull you back to what you've seen, you know? What you don't know is always uncomfortable. And Teresa said um, to let Pat, and as a man, I don't like the thought that my wife is going to control whether I'm going to be in the man's role or not, but honestly, she does. She, she controls it because I can't, as a godly man, beat her into submission. I can't cause her by physical force or anger or words to step into her place if she won't go there. So if the woman, it's, it's amazing that the, the power of causing this to happen is in both, but if the woman chooses not to take her role, I don't know how the man gets himself into his place. So it's really important that ladies understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, can I close this? Oh, I just want to add to what you were saying. It's all about submitting to that lordship, Jesus as my Lord. Jesus as my Lord, when I looked when I looked in the scripture and I saw, oh my gosh, he's right. I'm not, I'm outside of my role. I'm, being, I'm trying to be both. I'm trying to be the boss, whatever. Um, it's all about just humbling yourself. And uh, for me, it was seeing it, realizing it, and just repenting and like, oh, Lord, you know, change me. I don't want to be this person. So it's very confusing for Bryn. You know, when she's she's wired to be in the image of God. So when she sees her parents not in their right roles, whether she understands it or not, it's it's confusing to her. So it's it's been a big deal for us as God started to show us what's going on. Let's close this way. Um, in our roles together, we are perfectly designed, Teresa and me one flesh, just right to do what God has for us to do, for his kingdom and for his purposes. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 11 and 12 reads, But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. So if Scripture says that a man is not independent from a woman, and a woman is not independent from a man then a man is dependent on a woman, and a woman is dependent on a man. Until we come together in right relationship in our roles as one flesh, we're missing something. I, I don't understand it, but God knows. Mm-hmm. 
that I depend on Teresa. There are things that I can't accomplish without Teresa. There's things that she can't accomplish without me. We're dependent on each other, but everything comes from God. We are absolutely fully dependent on God. I read you the scripture from James 1 that every perfect thing given and every, every good thing given and every perfect gift comes from the Father, right? Also, um, sorry, oh, John 15. In John 15, it says, you can't do anything without me. If we don't abide in Jesus, we can't accomplish anything. So we are totally dependent on God. So even though today is Independence Day, right? It's Independence Day. We kicked England out of our country, or we kicked them out of their country at that time, I guess. Anyway, it's really always Dependence Day for us. If you're a husband, you're dependent on your wife. If you're a wife, you're dependent on your husband. And ultimately, remember we said that relationship has to start in our submission to Jesus as Lord because we're fully dependent on him for yes. everything. Yes. All right? Yes. Okay. So um, I think we need to wrap it up. If you were in children's church, you'd be saying bad things about me right now. Never. never, never. <laughs> Let's let just ju- pray. Let me just say one thing. And for, for people that are not married... The same goes. You're, you're dependent on God, right? So I don't want people that are single here to think, oh, this is just a married thing. It's not a, just a married thing. It's all about lordship, and it's all about the design and the way God created us to live and breathe and have fellowship with him. And now you can close. In right order. All right. In right order. Wow. You know, this isn't nearly as easy as it probably looks to you guys from out there. Lord, thank you so much for this day. I pray over each and every one of these people, whether they be husband, wife, single man, or single woman, that we would understand, not just from the place of obligation and obedience, Lord, but from the practical place, from the place that we see the blessing. Jesus took everything that he did. He submitted himself to death, even death on a cross, because he could see beyond the cross the joy that was set before him, the glory. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see that, that we would see the blessing of walking in in godly order. I just rebuke every thought that won't stand obedient to this teaching to come down that would cause a man to not want to embrace his role as a godly man. And I rebuke that stronghold in a woman's mind that would cause her out of fear or a lack of trust to be afraid, to not be willing to allow her husband to walk in that role. And I bless each and every family here. I bless each and every single person here for the fullness of everything that you, Jesus, bought for us on the cross. Good eyes, healthy bodies, minds that are free from torment and spirits that are eternally tied to yours. Thank you, Lord. Keep us this week. Bless everybody, Lord. Help us to be church on the street, that that you'll stir us when you've got something for us to do, if it's to smile at somebody or to pray for them when they're sick, Lord, or to invite them to come to church because our core is being strengthened. We're being prepared. And then their cores will be strengthened, and we'll just be able to see your kingdom come and your will be done right here in this place as it is in heaven. All our prayers we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, I don't know, man. That was really hard. I hope you guys, it wasn't as bad for you. (laughs) God bless you all. Have a great, great, great week. We're going to do this again next week. We're going to continue until God tells us to talk about something else to really work on strengthening our course. Read your Bibles. Pray. We love you.